Welcome back to Writer's Advice, everyone. I am so glad you're here. I have another fabulous guest on today and I cannot wait for you to listen in to share this incredible wisdom. Firstly, what do I have to um, catch you guys up on? Not too much, to be honest. Um, There is, if you're not a part of the Writer's Advice Facebook group yet, I highly recommend that you jump in there very, very soon. If not right now, you can click into the show notes um, and it will direct you straight there to be a part of our private group. And if you do join the Writer's Advice group, then um, not only can you find out who is coming on the podcast, you can also recommend who is coming up. But Throughout the next month, throughout December, we have a lot of huge giveaways where you can win a huge pile of all the books of all the incredible guests that we have had on this year. Um, So there is some seriously amazing reads in there. You want to get about that, guys. Um, But yeah, please uh, jump in, jump in there, have a chat um, to all of us in there. I would love to meet you and find out more about you if you are a writer, what you've got going on, etc. Um, if you are loving the Writer's Advice podcast, please, please, please make sure that you subscribe, click the follow button so you know, um, so you get the new episode straight into your listening app each week, but also leave a review or five stars um, if you're absolutely loving this podcast as well, because it really does help us and help um, get some more incredible guests on the podcast as well. Other than that, do I have much new stuff to update you on? Not really. Um, Manifest is out in the world. My second book, it is a new adult rom-com style, very Australian read, which is so much fun. So that is also available um, in the show notes, or you can jump on to the book club where you can actually subscribe for less than six dollars a month so less than a dollar fifty a week and read new chapters um of all the new books i have coming out which is if you're not in there already now here is the here is the spiel paranormal so they are all ya paranormal books um some are a little bit dystopian uh it is the genre that i have moved into and i'm very very excited about and um yeah can't wait to share those with you but There are um, chapters available each week for everyone that is in the book club. Anyway, I think that's it. Now, that's enough for me. Let's get into this incredible episode with another interview from an amazing author. Enjoy, guys. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back to the Writer's Advice Podcast, everyone. I am very excited because today's guest, we are joined by the wonderful Joan He. Thank you so much for joining us today, Joan. Thank you so much for having me, Olivia. Now, you have so many incredible books. You are author of Descendants of the Crane, The Ones We're Meant to Find, and now Strike of the Zither. I'm saying Zither right, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, 
firstly, I have so many questions that I want to ask you about all of them. And I really want to dive into the new book as well. But when was the first time that you realized that you were a writer? Um, I, not until, uh, high school, I would say, because before that I, um, as a kid, I really thought I was going to become a professional artist. That was kind of the track I was on. It was something that I was like good at. And my parents had put me in like studio classes. And I was like trained for it for many years from like when I was a little kid at like seven, all the way until early high school. Um, and I always, um, enjoyed reading even though I wasn't like a wide reader I had like my few favorites like Ramona and like the warrior cats I would just like reread over and over again um and I didn't really start writing until I started fan fiction that was like late middle school I started writing spirit away fan fiction but even then I did yeah it's one of my favorite movies um even though the ending left me in a lot of distress (laughs) and so I had to continue it and fanfic but I mean even then I didn't really think that this was something that I could do I didn't have any like original novel ideas or anything so I was just like writing my fanfiction and it wasn't until um early high school that I realized maybe I didn't want to become a visual artist because I just realized that I was doing it because I was getting like the external validation and I wasn't really it wasn't really something that I felt compelled to do when like no one was watching or like if no one was praising me So I was like, well, it's like, you know, you have to have a live passion and make it in any art field. So I was like, I don't think this is for me. So I quit. And I felt obviously a lot of angst when that was happening because it was such a huge part of my identity. So that kind of coincided with having to prep for the standardized tests here in the U.S. Um, So like all of that anxiety and just emotions um, eventually found its way out into my first original book, which I was peer pressured into writing because my friend was doing NaNoWriMo. Um, and so she was writing her first book. So I was like, okay, like I've been writing fan fiction. Let me try putting all my emotions into a book. Um, and that first book was very bad. <laughs> um, and so I wrote like, I wrote uh, three more after that first one. And the fourth book that I wrote uh, would end up becoming Descendant of the Crane. Wow. That is an amazing journey. Firstly, I just want to say that is an unbelievable amount of self-awareness so young to know that you're like no actually I'm only getting validation out of this from everything else and I love how you said putting my emotions into the book as well because I think that that's um a beautiful way that that writers start so when was the moment when you were like okay Descendants of the Crane is is going to be the one that I'm going to get published was there something that made you think a little bit different about that or did you query the others how did that come about? So I queried, I sent out one very unfortunate query for that very bad book. Uh, I still know that, I still know the agent who um, got that one really bad query. And before I actually, like, I realized, like, just via writing the query, I was like, wow, this book has no plot and it just doesn't make sense. So I didn't send out any more for that one. Um, and then I did query the next two books. One of them I queried pretty extensively. Um, it was the second book that I think I sent upwards of like over a hundred queries. Um, and I didn't get an agent for either of those two, shelved them. And obviously at the time of querying, I was thinking like, this is going to be the one, right? Because like, <laughs> you don't really like try to query the books unless you believe in them. Um, and so then I wrote um, Descendant. And that was like very different as a first draft than what it eventually is now on shelves. 
Um, and I guess the moment when I realized that this one might be different or that I felt like I had maybe more conviction in this one and really, really, really wanted to get it published was it was the book that taught me really how to revise because prior to that book, um, I obviously had been able to draft my books, but when I, it came time to revision, I was mostly doing like surface sort of revisions, like, oh, fixing a paragraph here, like fixing the language. At most, I just like have to rewrite a chapter, but that would be like the biggest kind of revisions I would do. Um, but with Descendant, I actually got into Pitch Wars, which now, um, yeah, no longer is a thing. But back then, yeah, it was like a this mentorship sort of contest. And so I was able to get mentored by um, Mara Rutherford. Who, I love that. Um, yeah, I've chatted yeah. to Mara before on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mara was my Pitch Wars mentor. And later on, we would go on to like co-mentor together. But she was actually the one who really, I guess, like, made me revise for the first time like on a broader scale like we did character revisions we cut the word count of the book down from like 100k to 80k and so that was my first introduction to really doing revisions and I mean at my heart I still am a drafter like I still prefer drafting to revising so there's definitely something about Descendant I guess that um, felt really special to me because I was willing to like do all the revisions and then obviously it would go on to be revised even much more with my agent when I then found him and then when it went on sub it didn't sell in its first round of submission so I then like rewrote it completely in between rounds one and two of submission um, and I think the reason why this book stuck out to me is because it was set um first in the first draft it was set in a half china half rome world and like the half rome aspect was because i drafted in like 2013 2014 and at that time i didn't really see that many like young adult fantasies that are set in fully chinese world so i was like okay i better dilute the world down a little bit because there it's unprecedented but um then throughout like the submission process and when i was rewriting it that's why i made it fully chinese because one of the rejections that we got it was a rejection uh revise and resubmit rejection actually was that the editor wanted to feel more immersed in the world and I realized that it was the half Roman aspect that was kind of holding me back from going as deep as possible so I made it a fully Chinese world and I think it's those Chinese elements like even before the world was fully Chinese I feel like the characters and like the stories and the plot and like the general sprawling feel of this like political entry with many family members in it um, it calls back to like sea dramas I grew up watching. So that element, like that passion I had was what kept me revising the book through the many years until it eventually did um, sell and debut as my debut. Yeah. Not only did it debut, it became a New York Times best seller. Yeah, that's uh, not not this one. The the oh, second okay. one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The ones we meant to be fine became what? Yeah, that, yeah. It became a New York Times best seller. That's Honestly, that's an amazing story. So, and you've, when you've revised, I guess you've created these relationships with your characters that you're like, no, I, I you know, I, I need to see this through as well. When, um, how do you, your ideas come to you? Like, how are you, what is it for you that you're like, no, these is definitely the one that I'm going to follow through with? Um, it has definitely changed 
through the years. And I think like now my like standards, I guess, for the criteria I need to have beforehand before I feel that conviction of like, I'm, this is the one I'm going to write is definitely much higher than before, which is why before I think I would have more like 10,000 or 20,000 word manuscripts I kind of got into and then abandoned. Whereas now, generally speaking, when I do start writing, um, I usually finish them because I, I do have that conviction that this is the one I'm that I am going to write. Um, and I think the first one is, it needs to feel like something that only I can write. Um, like something about it needs to be really fresh to me or needs to be, I guess kind of weird. <laughs> like I really like strange and weird stories. Um, and I think that's shaped in part by how slow of a writer I am. Um, I write very slowly. And so if it weren't something that I felt like only I could write, I think I would have massive anxiety about, oh no, like someone's, someone else is going to write before me. Um, yeah. And so as for like what that element is in Descendant, it was um, like my love for sea dramas and how I wanted to marry some of the common themes I saw in like the political royalty sea dramas with that royalty trope that I was reading about in young adult. Um, and it wasn't, I didn't really think of myself as a big twist writer really until I started getting reader reactions from Descendant when people were like, oh my God, like the, the twist in the middle like was shocking to them. And that's why I was like, oh, I guess, I guess that is like a, a big part of the book. I hadn't really thought of it in terms of that. But so then when I started thinking of like, what to write for when I started writing the ones were meant to find or when I started thinking about that idea um that in the beginning uh, when I first started drafting it Descendant hadn't actually sold yet um but I was just like tired of fantasy so I wanted to do something completely different because this Descendant was getting so many rejections and for that one it did start with that twist and that when I was thinking of the idea I was like I had this image in my mind of like a girl diving to the bottom of the sea and I was like what is she looking for like what's going on and I started thinking about how in young adult, we have a lot of sibling relationships where um, the younger sibling often is the object that is being sought or being protected or being looked after. And that is what humanizes the main character, the older sibling and makes them relatable to us. So I was like, oh, that's like an interesting trope slash assumption that is in a lot of books. What if I subvert that? And so I came up with the twist and I was like, oh, I have to write this twist. Like it really just felt like something that um, I needed to write. And so that was why I chose the ones. And similar for Strike, um, obviously I have a very personal connection to it because um, Three Kingdoms, like those are stories I grew up hearing about. But it also like came from this big what if question that then became the midpoint twist that I was like, okay, I, I have to pull this one on my readers. And since by now I'm kind of aware that people go into my books expecting like that surprise element. Yeah, but it seems something that comes natural to you as well, right? Like it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most of the story ideas I've had so far, I'm like they would benefit from a twist. I do actually have a story idea where I feel like there is no twist and doesn't need to have a twist, but it's not right now. Um, for other reasons, it's not something that I'm like, oh my god, I need to write right now. Although maybe it is because it doesn't have a twist. That <laughs> I'm like, it's not as urgent. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Now, you said that you're a, um, or you classify yourself as a slow writer. And I'm saying, I'm guessing also, particularly probably because you were also such a um, physical artist younger. Um, would you classify yourself more as a visionary person? Like how you said that idea, you saw a girl like, just, like swimming to the to the bottom of the ocean. Do you put too much planning before that or you kind of start with some words and, and let it flow that way? I think um, I actually don't. That was the image that I had for the ones we're meant to find was unique because it 
perhaps this is cliche, but it came to me in a dream because otherwise I actually am not that much of a visual writer. I think my background in the arts shapes more um, like the mechanical process of writing and that I like to do what I call the under sketch of a story or like the skeleton first before I layer on all those details. So yeah, it's less so like I see things in like really full flesh detail beforehand and more it's just like my mechanical process. But Um, As for why I'm slow, that's something that's changed over time, because I think when I first started writing, I was able to write like maybe 2,000, 3,000 words a day, which isn't like, I I would consider that fast now. But like the problem with that was that the writing was decent and the prose was decent, but I like, I didn't really have that strong of a grasp of characters and plot and story. So I think the reason why I've slowed down so much now is because I have leveled up in those aspects. Like I have so much more awareness of what every scene, every paragraph needs to do, when the information needs to be dropped, etc. But it's impacted, I guess, my sentencing speed because it's like I don't have enough processing power. So now I spend so long thinking of like, oh, like how do I make this sentence sound good? Like what words do I use here? Like what cadence do I want? So it's like that process of laying down the actual words that takes so much longer now, um, even though I've brainstormed the story um, like that part isn't that slow. Yeah, yeah. Now you now you fully can see exactly where you want to go with your prose and with um with the direction of it. It's, you know, I don't think that that's slow. If anything, I I that's admirable because there's probably a lot less drafts that come out of that when you're being um a lot more focused that way. Uh, I I would hope (laughs) my goal is always like with every book I'm like this is going to be the book that I don't have to rewrite (laughs) that much um uh, I think even though I am like I guess like I uh, am much more uh what's the word deliberate now with my writing (laughs) I feel like the ones we're meant to find for example half of that got rewritten although comparatively Descendant got all uh, entirely rewritten so maybe I am (laughs) on a track of slowly requiring less rewrites because uh Strength is Other didn't get that rewritten actually well we'll see how the sequel goes yeah 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 I want to check I want to chat about that so Strike is that um it's based in the year 414 and I'm gonna let you give a little bit of um a synopsis about what it's about but also yeah it is a duology yeah, so um, it's based on the year uh, 414 in a made-up dynasty and in, like, an alternate China. So, like, first off, it's not, like, actual, like, China. That's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, because I feel like some people, they're like, wait, is the Xing dynasty real? I'm like, no, it's fake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, fantasy. Um, so, yeah, it's based in this empire that has a puppet empress on the throne. And because the empress is so weak, she's, like, under the control of one, like, kingdom of three so there are these three like i guess camps they're all fighting for control um of uniting the empire and reigning supreme um and zephyr our main character she is the greatest strategist or so she likes to think um but unfortunately she serves the weakest or the most underdog of these warlords in these camps um so zephyr she really has to get creative because she has like a, a very specific vision of how she's going to help her lordess rise up above the other two but it involves a lot of inconveniencing herself so at the beginning of the book she has to infiltrate um an enemy camp to keep her camp and its soldiers from being slaughtered um, where she meets her one and only uh rival that she sort of respects in the book so yeah that's that's the gist of the story 
Absolutely. And you're going to um definitely keep people on their toes waiting for that, waiting for that next book. Are you in the are you in the process of writing that now or that's ready to go? Part two. Um I've finished a first draft and sent it into my editor. So I'm currently in that purgatory state of like waiting for <laughs> the edits to drop um, you, and then revising it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Now you said drafting is your favorite. Um, is it of the process is there any particular anything that you find the most challenging of the writing process at all yeah I mean I guess it would be uh, um, I think definitely revisions because I know people say that like oh like people who love revisions because I feel like a lot of writers love revisions I hear it all the time (laughs) where they're like revision is when it comes together but like for me the thing is a lot of times revision feels like blowing apart like the thing I've built and then I'm just like stuck in the rubble and it's like everything's just like chaos and it's like I'm trying to like fit and the thing is like when I write I feel like I'm stacking all these dominoes together and they're so I'm an underwriter so I my drafts tend to be lean and so it's like I've stacked all my dominoes really closely together and then the moment I have to add like one thing everything just falls apart so it feels much more chaotic to me um besides that I think um I definitely come up with like the plot and characters like uh, pretty much like one and two like simultaneously I think worlds when they are not like based on something existing such as like Strike Visitor it was helpful because it is even though like the Shing Dynasty is not the actual Han Dynasty that Three Kingdoms, the book that Strike Visitor is inspired by, is set in, um, it still has like a lot of like the similar power structures and like the just the general lay of the land is the same. And same for like Descendant, um, it is based on like um, a mesh, a mishmash of ancient Chinese dynasties. But I think, yeah, when the world is not like, there's no foundation for that, that is something that I think I have to spend more time on to like get up to speed. So like in the ones we're to find, I feel like a big part of the rewrite was um, fixing, not fixing, but like clarifying some of the world and one of the point of views while still not having it, I guess, dominate the point of view. Because something I'm always very mindful of is that I feel like every character, how much they notice of a world is very specific to how they are as a person. Like Zephyr, as a strategist, the first thing she's going to notice when she walks into a room maybe isn't going to be like what everyone's wearing, but it's going to be like who holds the power, right? Like who is the smartest person in the room? So when I'm limited by point of view, it's like sometimes tricky to get all the information that a reader might be craving onto the page that the characters themselves might not be interested in. So that is something that I feel like is harder for me, like the world and the delivery of information. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And with everything that, actually, I'm going to ask one question before before I get to that. Um, where I know you did a um, mentorship with Mara. What else did you do during that time of when you were learning to be a writer and, um, you know, playing around with different stories and manuscripts, essentially? What was your kind of process of learning about the craft? Um, I, I mean, so I've never had like any like formal training. <laughs> like I didn't like really study because uh, I was a psych major and like a Chinese history minor in school. So it wasn't like I majored in like creative writing or English. Um, 
I guess I just learned via reading, right? Because I like, uh, besides like the books I loved as a kid, like some of my favorite young adult books um, were from like that Hunger Games boom, like that dystopian era. Like that's what got me into reading young adult. And so I read a ton, ton of young adult then. Um, and it really taught me a lot about the conventions of the genre. Um, like what kinds of characters do we like to follow? What kind of relationships, what kind of tropes are popular? Um, and then besides that just really learning from every manuscript that I wrote like I feel like every manuscript taught me something different I mean the first one just taught me how to finish a book however bad it might be and then the second one um that one was actually it was a young adult dystopia albeit I wrote it like after the wagon had passed because like you didn't I didn't know back then that like by the time you're reading the books on the shelves that's already been like two (laughs) three years like in the past so I wrote that one in like 2012 2013 it was already like I didn't realize the genre was like I don't want to say dead because then like I feel like nothing is ever dead but definitely a harder sell but that one really taught me I guess just um like writing something that was first person more pacey um, and then the second book, uh, sorry, the third book then taught me how to like write character growth and arcs. And I think Descendant taught me a lot about plotting because before Descendant, I was a pantser. Like I did not outline my books that did not go well. And so Descendant changed my writing process a lot. It taught me like how to navigate big casts, how to write political intrigue and then the twists and things like that. And so every book I feel like based on the rejections I was getting and just based on what I was then reading has taught me something about the craft. Yeah, that's so great. And you've got a different thing to focus on with each thing that um, comes through. Now, I, I love this story and I love just where you're at today and all the beautiful books that are coming through. What advice would you give to any up and coming writers that are listening right now who, uh, whether they, you know, started their career or they're um, working on their first manuscript right now? Um, I think, I mean, just I, honestly, just like um, as best as you can, I guess, embrace the part of the process that you're in. Because I think uh, a lot of it is very easy to like get to a certain stage and then immediately be like the next one. Like I remember for the longest time I was trying to find an agent and I was telling my boyfriend like all I want is just to find an agent. I'm going to be so happy when I find an agent. And then the moment I found an agent, I was unhappy again because I was like, oh, but now I need to sell the book. And the thing is that never ends because even when you do get published, I feel like it's really easy to like, have ambition kind of like keep on moving your goalposts so that you're never really satisfied because you're always going to be like like now my greatest fear is like what if I don't sell again right because I'm in this room and I don't want to be kicked out of this room like I want to keep on selling my books obviously keep on growing my readership so and a thing is once you get published I feel like your relationship to writing changes a lot so there is a part of me that really does miss um the kind of writer I was before I had all these outside voices of like readers and the market and sales and things like that when I was just like dealing with my rejections but also just you know writing books um really with only my own voice in my head um so I guess that would be my biggest advice even though I do want to acknowledge that there is a lot of survivorship bias in the industry. So like I'm able to give this advice because like I I have made it to the other side, but I think making it to the other side is, I mean, honestly, I feel like it gets harder every year. Like I haven't queried in so long and I've heard that the query trenches are even worse now than it was before. And so like the other piece of advice I would give is to keep on writing because that like every book is a new opportunity 
But I also completely understand that um, this really isn't like an industry based on merit. Like I think everyone gets their craft up to a certain point and everyone works really hard. And then beyond that, it really is just timing and luck, right? Like I think that's something that is important to keep in mind no matter what stage you're at. Yeah, yeah. I I want to go back to that because before you said now you're, you know, the stories that you go with, you've got a lot more conviction. Do you find that that's the main thing that you've noticed and changed in your writing as to like, okay, this is the story that I really need to to go with um, for my readership as opposed to before when it's before you've got a readership, it's kind of like, I'm just going to play around with this and this and, you know, and have have fun with your voice in that way. Yeah, I think um, actually it's interesting because I said like we, I have a lot more outside voices now, but that has meant that I've worked much harder to shut them all out. So I think before when I was writing like my early books, I was really solely focused on writing the kinds of books I like to read. Um, for example, like I was like, oh, I'm reading so many dystopians, like I'm <laughs> writing dystopian now, right? Whereas now I focus much more on not only do what do I like to read, but also what would invigorate me as a creator. And it goes back to that question of what is it that only I can create without thinking too much about where the trends, because those are going to pass, especially if you're a slow writer, or even thinking about like what my readers like, because when my debut came out, like something that I did work really hard at was um, as a fan fiction writer, obviously my motivating factor for writing was I want to find readers. Like I want to share in the joy of creating something that we're all going to love. But that's so different when you're, I guess, publishing your like own books. And I think that focus on writing for readers, even if you are only reading the positive reviews, at least for me, it really impacted my process. Like I just couldn't get those voices out. So a lot of time, like for a full year after I wrote, uh, after my debut came out, I really tried to figure out like, why do I write? Like I had to find a new reason that wasn't just I'm writing for my readers. And um, ultimately I was able to say like, now I write for myself. Um, like I genuinely feel that deep down. So now when I write, um, as much as they're outside voices and as much as I have to expend effort in shutting them out, like I really feel like the stories I write now are ones that like are truly me without like thinking too much about like, oh, that's like the, well, not thinking too much, but I guess without being swayed so much by like what is being put out there. I love that. I love that so much. And I think that is the gift of you know, using um, story and writing as your art when you're writing the things that only you can write. Like that is your genuine gift and what you can give the world. And it is, um, it's so beautiful. Oh my gosh, Joan, I've, I've got goosebumps over that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now, Strike, uh, Strike the Zither comes out in Australia um, on the 25th of October. Is that everywhere else in the world as well or? Um, I think it might have a more delayed release date for the UK. Okay, cool. It might be in something November. I feel like I'm awful with release dates. I only find them out when I go into like the retailer of like Amazon.com UK <laughs> to, to like find it. So I, I do believe that it's a little bit delayed. Not too long though. Like I think a month is usually standard. Perfect. And even if even if you do go search for it, go buy it. Um, you can pre-order it now, which I highly recommend. So Thank you so much for joining us today, Joan. That has just been the most beautiful conversation. And do you have much planned for uh, the launch? 
Um, uh, not too much. I'm trying to be chiller and also like save energy because I know those book toilets are gonna land any day. So I'm like, I can't just like, you know, putter out after yeah it's interesting writing a duology because it like in many ways doesn't feel done to me because I'm like but but there's another one so yeah yeah and how do you feel now like when it's just about to be that release date like are you feel are you how does how does that moment feel right now (laughs) um I mean I constantly I mean I feel like I'm always gonna be anxious like I'm always gonna have no chill I feel like every time I'm like oh but it's like my third book I've been through this two times I I'm gonna be more relaxed so that's just not true (laughs) but it is kind of nice knowing that um as much as I'm like oh my god I have to like work on the sequel it is kind of nice to know that it's not like over yet like I am gonna be going back to the world soon um and so that's fun to think about yeah absolutely and if people want to see what you've got coming up next everything that's going on where would be the best place to um see that contact you yeah, I'm at uh, at Joan He Writes on all the platforms I'm at, which would be Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm not very much on TikTok, or not that I'm even not that much on t- Twitter these days. But Instagram is usually where I'm at. So at Joan He Writes. Perfect. I'll put that all in the show notes. Thank you so much, Joan. That was such a beautiful chat. Uh, thank you so much, Olivia. I loved your questions. Oh, thank you. <laughs>